If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest is Karina Gardner. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. If you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil, needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events posted on my YouTube channel and Facebook page on the first and third Friday of every month. They're streamed live and in real time, honestly. Even the thread breaks and the oopses are there. I just welcome you into my studio to watch as I work through a project and chat about the processes and decisions as I go. Plus, they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about the project while I'm working on it. So once again, those air on the first and third Friday of each month. Just look for Stitched by Susan on YouTube or Facebook to find the upcoming and the past events. I'll let you in on a little secret. I don't like shopping. Especially, I don't enjoy shopping for clothes. It feels incredibly time-consuming, and there's a million other things I'd rather be doing. So I've found a solution at stitchfix.com. It's an online apparel shopping service, and it's entirely personalized. So I set up my account with delivery frequency, a price point that's comfortable for me, my size and taste, and I even have the option of adding jewelry, bags, shoes, or other accessories. I've had the same designer for a couple of years, and she's got me dialed in. If you'd like to give Stitch Fix a try, they're offering $25 off your first order. Just use the link provided in the show notes and have fun shopping their enormous collection. All right, on to pins and needles with a quick tip for all you sharp quilters out there. It seems like in a sewing room, there is no end to the threads. Threads multiply everywhere. So I have a couple ways to try to keep these under control. And one is to have a thread receptacle for all my trimmings. And I keep one at my long arm and at my sewing machine. Now I do have a friend who keeps her trash can at the end of her long arm, forcing herself to take extra steps. But for me, the more convenient it is, the more likely I am to use it. So I keep a solo cup affixed to my long arm for those thread tails. And I have a tiny bucket right beside my sewing machine. Just having them within arm's reach helps me to always toss the ends in there. But even so, there's threads that you have to pick up from fraying or from undoing things that often makes little tiny clippy threads that are so annoying. So I have a couple ways of dealing with those depending on kind of the thickness or heaviness of the thread. So try any one of these. One is a little piece of batting scrunched up in my fingers and just 
brushed back and forth across the fabric, particularly if you're trying to pull out undoing threads. That works well. Another is a super sticky lint roller. And a third is a strip of painter's tape wrapped around kind of my knuckles or the flat of my hand and rolled back and forth across the fabric. And finally, I keep a pair of tweezers handy. Mine have a bent tip and that makes them very easy to use and fit well in my hand. And I use those to pick up very tiny or stubborn thread bits. Today my guest is Karina Gardner. Karina has a PhD in design from the University of Minnesota. She's been a creative director for a scrapbooking company and a children's company. She's designed everything from dishware to bracelets under her brand for retailers. She currently designs fabric for Riley Blake Designs and die-cutting files for Silhouette. But her passion is teaching other designers how to create meaningful design careers while making residual income online. And she does this in her design boot camp, her workshops, and design suite program. So join us as we chat about business building and entrepreneurial skills. Welcome, Karina. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. Karina is a professional designer and also crafting is her business much as it is mine and so I'm so fascinated to hear some of her stories today and see a little bit behind the scenes of the work that she does. So I'm curious Karina, when did you get into crafting? What what opened that door for you? So I originally, the first thing I got into was actually digital scrapbooking. So I had finished my PhD in design. I was teaching at the University of Minnesota. I had two very, very tiny children, a three-year-old and a newborn baby. I have three kids now, but at the time I only had two. And I um, I knew that designing freelance wasn't what I wanted to do the whole time. I wanted to find something else. And someone introduced me into digital scrapbooking. From digital scrapbooking, I got into paper scrapbooking and started designing for my mind's eye. And and almost, it was like a year and a half, almost two years later, I um, became a fabric designer for Northcott. I no longer design for either of those companies, but that that's kind of how I got started. And I loved the crafting industry, the crafting and sewing industry. To me, it was like, oh my gosh, I get to do this for the fun of it and design for it and make money. It was insane. And I feel so grateful that I got into it because I I had never thought I would be in an industry like this. Having a PhD in design, I thought I would go work for an agency in New York or, I mean, there's a number of things I had planned on doing. This was not it. And I feel so grateful I got into it because it's just, I don't know if there's a more joyous um, industry than craft and sewing. It's just so fun. I think you're right. And so many of my guests, we have this same conversation, the, the quilting community, particularly that's the, the world I live in is so supportive and so, uh, friendly and warm. And it's, it's just remarkable. And it is a great way to spend your days and earn your living for sure. So yeah, I love it so much. Craft crafters and sewers, they are special. They are, and they tend to be very generous and very sharing people. And, you know, again, that's just a great way to to spend your days and a great bunch of people to share with. So good. Yeah. And it, I, to me, it can't, it's not surprising because when you think about crafters and sewers, what are they doing? They're sewing quilts for other people and giving them away. They are making crafts and cards and giving them to other people. So it's actually not surprising to me that this community is unique in that way. 
You're absolutely right. And I hadn't thought of that in, you know, relating to to scrapbooks. They are usually either for gifts or for memories, but either way, it's emotional connection as well. And that's usually a reflection of generosity, you know, of spirit, isn't it? Yeah. So good. One of the quotes that I saw on your website was that you feel like it takes 10,000 hours to become really good at anything. Tell me where that came from. Well, it's certainly, um, I think if you've heard about the 10,000 hours, it definitely came from Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers book, right? I don't think he's actually the one who came up with it. I think he quotes or references someone else. But the more, you know, right at this moment, um, the more that I see and work with, right now I work with designers more than crafters and sewers, in order to be so good at something, which is one of the things I really want people to do, I want them to become experts and become fabulous at something, they have to put in the time. I mean, I think about the first quilt I sewed. It was not very good. There were holes in it. Like I didn't get the seam exactly right. Um, I tried to, you know, I tried to do something more complicated than I should have. I should have gone a little bit easier. And it's so amazing that now I whip up a quilt in an hour because I'm just trying to hurry up and get through it. Um, and what used to take me so long and was so difficult to do is now super fast. And that's simply because I've spent the last 14 years quilting, right? Same with crafting. The more I make, the more I cut on my silhouette machine or I'm making with my scrapbooking papers, the better I get at it. Same with, because I work with designers now, same with designers. The more we design, the more, the closer we can get to that 10,000 hours, the more we feel so comfortable in it, so fast at it. It's so intuitive. Intuitive, all the processes are intuitive. We become so good at it, it becomes second nature. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's really encouraging because when you're a beginner or a novice or maybe even intermediate and you, you compare yourself with other people, it can feel like I'll never get there. But the truth is there's no magic. It's not like winning the lottery. You know, the experts didn't get there magically. They got there by putting in the time. And so can anyone. Yeah. And that, that whole comparison thing is, um, an unfair thing because you're comparing your apples to someone's oranges. You know, I would never want a brand new designer to compare what I've accomplished in the last 14 years to what they've done in even a year, but we'll say six weeks. Mm -hmm. It's not the same thing because at the end of the day, almost anything we do can be achieved by sheer effort. Mm -hmm. So true. And that's the encouraging part, right? It Like what you're capable of today doesn't really matter. You can grow. You can learn. You always can. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing thing? And a good reason to hope that if you kind of stink at something right now, that you will probably be better at it in the future if you're just willing to stick to it. And I actually think that is the quality I'm generally looking for. I know in designers, but in people that I hang around, are they people who stick to things and just see it through, or are they people who give up? So if you're you're someone who's going to stick to it and become better at it, like those are the people I like in my world. So agree. So I'm curious because we're your your focus is kind of on marketing and um, building a business. Do you think that those ten thousand hours or something like that also is true for learning marketing skills? 
Yeah, I think for running any kind of business, it's like, and here's the thing, I think, so I have had three really pretty successful businesses. Mm -hmm. The first was my design business. And, you know, through that time, I was the creative director of a scrapbooking company. And building that business was really different from building a physical product business. So I owned a company called Miniloo, which was a physical product business. And that we did all these crazy deals with like Nordstrom and Peak Clothing and and, um, museums that you've heard of. And that was like learning its own thing. And then now we have, on top of my design agency, we have this design program where we teach designers. And that has been its own thing. So that's the thing we really need to recognize is every time, just because I put 10,000 hours into one thing doesn't mean I immediately will be good at the next thing, right? That's true of every different business I've owned. It's true of every industry I've gotten into, right? Like when I made a transition from just doing paper to doing SVG files for for Cricut and Silhouette, it was like starting at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. I had to start over with those 10,000 hours. I think very often people get a little confused. They think that I've put 10,000 hours into graphic design and now I'm going to transition into crafting. And they think that those 10,000 hours count. They They don't don't convert. (laughs) Yeah. It's starting over again. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. you're a big part of your marketing is you offer digital classes, right? Is that what you're referring to when you say teaching design? Yeah, this has been an interesting transition for me. I When I first started designing in the crafting industry, I did teach a few like one-off digital classes. Um, but a year and a half, a little over a year and a half ago, I started offering a more comprehensive program. Um, Part of me always thought I would go back and teach at a university, but what I teach now is so, um, it's almost like a postdoc or like the student teacher experience. Like I want to give people this amazing experience where they um, really understand how to design and what it takes to build a design business. And so the marketing piece has been so interesting because before this, I didn't really have to do any marketing, right? Like Mm -hmm. I designed for Riley Blake now. I don't do, I don't have to do any marketing. I mean, I do, I'll show how to quilt in my fabric and all of that stuff so I can build a brand. But you know, most of my resources and most of the things I teach people, especially in their beginning of their design businesses, we don't have to do marketing because we're in shops online that have their own SEO. We have to get our SEO right and all that other stuff. So it's been so fascinating to make this transition in a second business. Um, this is my design suite business to have to actually do marketing. It's Mm -hmm. like kind of painful. Like, oh my gosh, I have to run Facebook ads. I have to talk about design so that people understand what it's really all about. I have to spend more time on platforms and explaining when in previous years, I've been really able to hide behind my designs, just spend all of my time in, in design. So that has been a really interesting transition. Um, and you're probably in the same boat, right? Because you're you're doing the digital courses as well. And you you even though you're this practitioner of this thing that you do so well, you have to spend all this time marketing and building an audience so people can know about what you do. 
building an audience is key and kind of demonstrating more, more showing than telling, right? Showing that you have credibility, that you have the skill, that you have the knowledge, that you're, um, you're in a position where you can teach someone and telling them in words is not enough. So yes, that is a huge slice of marketing is this, you know, whether it be videos or, you know, YouTube episodes or whatever, but showing that you know what you're talking about. Yeah. So fascinating. Right. And as I can imagine it, especially with what you do, because you're showing them how you're doing and how you're an expert as a long arm quilter. For me, because I've been designing for 14 years, I have 14 years of history of brand deals and plate deals and Christmas and holiday and fabric lines. And so I think I haven't had to show as much. In fact, it's almost been the opposite for me. I've had to explain why I understand what you have to do as a designer is different than just the making pretty stuff because making pretty stuff actually won't make you a designer. You have to actually understand the design principles behind why we create negative space, how we create a focal point, because by doing that, that's how we become great designers. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of jumping back and forth here, but we're hitting on all these points of all the different facets of growing your own business. The designing is one facet. The marketing is another facet. Um, So retention is yet another. So there's all these things that play into it. And sometimes it feels like going back to school, right? You really have to position yourself being willing to learn these new skills because they're ever-changing and ever-growing. And that's part of being an entrepreneur, isn't it? Yeah, especially in the online space. I, it feels so different than academia to me, right? Um, because the market is changing changing so fast. And I have lots of friends who own brick and mortars. That space, like it just feels really different. Online can change in an instant. Like I agree. Like an instant. I agree completely. Well, Karina, I wonder if you would take a minute to give us a little bit of behind the scenes into the design process or steps. I know for me, and I think for many others, it feels so mysterious. Like I just go and purchase fabric and I don't really know what goes into the making or the production of it. Could you give us some some of those, a little look into that? Yeah. So there's actually, like I teach a framework of design process. Um, so I'm not going to dig into that, but instead I'm just going to kind of give you some some sneak peeks in, into dealing with fabric. Um, so many people I know want a fabric deal because they think it's going to be super exciting. And it is. It's really fun. But um, it if you don't understand production, then fabric is a very difficult thing to do. So I'm going to tell you a little bit how we do it at Riley Blake, because I think that'll help you understand. But just know every manufacturer is different. When I did it for Northcott, it was totally different than the way I do it for Riley Blake. Yeah. So and and Moda is going to do it different than Art Gallery Fabrics. So at this point in time, the program that really is the best for it is Illustrator. So Adobe Illustrator is how we build all of our fabric lines. It's the easiest to manipulate and fix with the manufacturers in South Korea. So that's where all the fabric is being made at this point in time is South Korea. Um, And so when I, in fact, I'm actually right now working on my 2023 fabric line. My, My next line, I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out, but my next line, Chow Bella, comes out November of 2022. So that line will come out, but like I'm way past that line because I'm working on my next line. You have a Mm -hmm. year timeline, right? 
And you're about six months after I finish it and it's submitted and we know it's for sure done and ready to go. What will happen is six months later, I will get strike-offs. Strike-offs are simply the, the first sets that are run through the screen printing press in South Korea to see if we can get the colors right. I think Riley Blake does it right because they... Um, they have used spot colors and we all use a Pantone processor. So we, we have a very specific book we use. There are gazillions of Pantone books, but we use a very specific book so that we can match all of our colors. And then when we get the strike offs, I rarely have multiple colors that need issues, like that need fixing because they're matching it to our Pantone swatches that we have adjusted on our end in Illustrator and making sure that it's correct. So, um, that's so good. This last Chow Bella line, when I got the strike offs, there was only one fabric where I didn't love the mix of the yellow and the pink. The yellow was too strong. And so, and that was something I couldn't have predicted because I'd laid them together and I could only see them on my computer. But once they were printed, I was like, ooh, that's, it's a little much for me. So we then toned it down. So, you know, I just sent um, notes back to Riley Blake. This is the line, the fabric I think needs to be fixed. Then they usually will mark it up for me. Before COVID, I would go into the office, right? So mm -hmm. we would go into the office together. We would mark everything up and then send it back. Uh, because of COVID, now they mail it to me and I go through them and I'll mark them up myself. I might send them pictures and then they send that to um, South Korea to, to make sure that they get it correct. They'll probably get another set of uh, strike-offs. They will send it to me only if I feel like I really need to check it. But usually I really trust the office. They are so good. I mean, they're seeing all these strike-offs coming in. So they, they're they so good if I said, hey, will you fix this one? Usually they can just get it fixed without me seeing it again. And then the fabric goes on pre-sale and we see it and it's already been ordered. And once it sells out, it sells out. So crazy. In terms of the actual design work, I am working in a lot of weird and different ways these days. Back in the day, we used to just hand draw everything. We'd take mm -hmm. a picture of it. We'd have to redraw it into Photoshop and Illustrator. Um, now with the iPad, um, I can draw portions of it into Illustrator on the iPad. That's my favorite. It. This next slime I'm working on, I decided I would try some of it in Procreate. Now, Procreate's a big problem because it's a pixel-based program. And I always have my designers being like, oh, can I just please use Procreate, Karina? And I love it because it does feel more natural for, for the artist, but it's terrible in that it takes so much effort to get it vectorized. So there, mm -hmm. we have certain methods for dealing with that so that it's easier, and I use those methods. So, so maybe, right now I'm... If you, yeah, don't mind me, if you don't mind me interrupting for a second, maybe for our listeners, try to define what vectorizing means. I mean, I have a sense of it, but I bet you have a better definition than I would. Well, I don't know if I do, but <laughs> the bottom line is if something is pixels, it's a square. All the images are created from little colored squares. So as you make it bigger, those squares enlarge in. And so you don't have a nice sharp image, right? For a vector, it's a line. And because it's a line, it can, it can elongate and make as big as you want at, at, and it won't change the quality of the image. So very often I hear of people who are really great in Photoshop and Procreate, and then they want to do a fabric line. And I'm like, okay, it's going to be rough because you need to move it into Illustrator. So it's literally like translating. 
Yeah. And it doesn't translate the correct way, right? It's like there's always a cultural difference there when you bring it in because it doesn't do it exactly right, which is why I really always recommend my designers to know Illustrator first, and then they can manipulate in in pixel type softwares so that they can get it to where they need it to go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Wow. Well, thank you for that because I don't know that it's any less mysterious, but <laughs> but I have a lot of respect certainly for designers, all kinds of surface designers. Yeah, I love the process. It does take a little bit of time um, to make really great designs. But once again, that's your 10,000 hours, right? Because if you could yes. just start creating and learning how to draw repeats, your stuff will get better and better and better. Yes, for sure. Well, Karina, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? You've mentioned a couple fabric lines that are coming out very shortly. Um, this podcast will be airing in October. So you'll have a new line in November and then another one next year. Are there any other new things on the horizon that we'd like to know about? And where can we easily find information? Well, if you like my fabrics, just go to any fabric store. That's the, the easy part about fabric, right? Um, if you are someone who likes Silhouette or SVG, which I don't know if your group really does much of that. We have people who cross those two who love their fabric and then they're cutting applique and stuff. Most of my stuff can be found at the Silhouette store. I have um, a great shop with them. Um, if you're interested in design, you come check out KarinaGardnerCourses.com. Uh, we teach, uh, we have a few different things going on. We have a, a, a boot camp that we do that's live once in a while. We're slowly and surely doing less of those as the membership has grown very, very big at this point. Um, but just come on there and see what we have available. We do all kinds of workshops, things to help people understand design, illustrator classes to get you started. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. And if you want to listen to me talking about design, you can find that on my podcast, Make and Design with Karina Gardner. Excellent. Great. That's great to know that you have a podcast too. I'm finding more and more um, entrepreneurs are doing that because it's a really great way to build another level of connection. And I'm happy to see you're doing that too. Yeah, I love it. Good. I'll be sure to include all your links in the show notes. And meanwhile, I'm kind of springing this on you, Karina, but do you have a little gem or nugget of wisdom that you'd like to leave with our listeners? It can be about crafting or quilting, or it can be about life. Your choice. I think the number one thing, it, if, if this was, I was listening to this and I knew of someone who did what I did, the, the number one thing I'm going to tell you is that no matter what you're doing, crafting, sewing, designing, let it light you up. Let it be a joy in your life because guys, life is too short to do anything but we love. Like we should be loving the daily activities in our life. I couldn't agree more. Thank you for that. And thanks so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure visiting with you. Thank you. Thanks so much, my friend, for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this visit and the behind the scenes look at fabric production. And I hope that if you're building your own business, you found some encouragement and ideas here as well. Before I go, I've recently chatted to several quilters who've never listened to a podcast. Seriously, they don't know what they're missing. 
So would you take a moment to share Measure Twice, Cut Once with them? You can share the link to any one episode or they can visit my website, podcast.stitchedbysusan.com and from there, choose an app to listen on. In just a few seconds, a whole new world of podcasts will open up. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted.